It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome back to the Bottom Line News Radio 610-KONA. 547-1610 is the number if you'd like to get involved. You can also reach us via email, 610KONA.com, the Bottom Line page. Your name, where you're listening, what you would like to say. On Twitter, Bottom Line 610, Parlor, the Bottom Line 610, and our free mobile app available through the Google Play and the Apple stores. Robin Ed with you. Got some rain being reported out in West Richland couple of drops falling here in Pasco. Were we expecting rain today? Um, no, I think it was just mostly winds, you know, blowing stuff through, which we had. Yeah, a little rain. Not complaining. No, not at all. Not at all. Anyway, shape or form. Uh, 547-1610, if you would like to get involved. And, uh, you know, as we talked a little bit about the Lauren Culp uh, situation and the possibilities there. Um, you know, it really does beg an interesting question, and we'll get to that after we go to the phones. You're up at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Your name, where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Ed. I'm from Prosser. What's on your mind, and Ed? I was, I was listening to you guys talk about term limits and so forth like that, but honestly, it's the people electing them. You know, you can put guidelines to prevent, you know, people electing bad people. But it's still the people doing it. You know, you got to change the people. You got to change the moral compass of what people think is right and wrong. I was, a, I'm a lifetime, uh, grew up in Tri Cities. I went away to the military for nine years. I came back, and it's like I don't even recognize the place anymore. And it's, and it's the societal deterioration that's the problem. I mean, when I was a kid in Tri Cities, there's certain things you didn't do. You know, you get in trouble, the neighbor down the street knew your mom. And, You'd get busted for whatever it was you did without your mom even seeing. Nowadays, there's no guidance like that. It's just people run around doing whatever they want, and there's no moral compass. I don't think term limits or any type of regulation is going to change that until we change us as a people. You know, get to know your neighbor again, something like that, instead of getting online or the Internet all the time. Go to your neighbor, give them some, you know, bake them something up and take over to them and get to know them. Because if we keep going the way we're going right now, the bill's coming due, and we don't have any more money to pay. You know, we're at trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. There's no more There's no more to give, and I think we're just on a downward spiral. That's all I got. You know, it's a great point, Ed, and thank you for your service very much. Appreciate yes. that. Um, you know, you make a couple of great points, and, you know, in a way, term limits could have a negative effect in – for example, the direction that we see some things going as far as ideologies, um, it could be you could open things up to make a faster progression in a direction that you don't want to go in. Um, it's a risk associated. There's no question about that, especially when you see what we have in the past with with waves that come in and sweep out a number of elected officials. You could see an ideological wave come in and move out some people. And within a couple of years, you've got that, you know, all of a sudden you've got things that you didn't expect. There are risks associated. But to me, and, and I get your point about the moral compass as well. And, you know, you mentioned about getting to know your neighbors. 
in the climate that we have today, there's a lot of people who just don't want to talk to other people. Because with the advent of chat rooms, social media, anonymous warriors on the Internet, people don't want – there are a lot of people that don't want to have that social interaction or have lost the ability to learn that social interaction because they've got some piece of electronic equipment thrust in their hands at, at the youngest ages imaginable. So that's their socialization is through a electronic device. And I still won't forget one of the town halls that we did a few years ago at Columbia Basin College talking to millennials. Mm, yeah. And one of them said, point blank, the biggest challenge facing our generation is communication, mm-hmm. interpersonal communication. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the guys was there and said, I, I've never asked a girl out on a date before because I, I'm afraid to. I'm more comfortable behind a keyboard. Yeah. And that is that is another part of that issue that kind of goes down the line. You know, is it is that a moral issue? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it falls into that category, but it's a socialization issue. It's a it's a it's an interpersonal issue, and we have a, a generation that really doesn't have the interpersonal skills that the generations before them did because they aren't forced to do that. You know, we didn't have computers to the degree that we have them today when we were growing up. You know, you had a home computer. You didn't have the Internet. You had a home computer. You did stuff on it. Yeah, maybe you play a game or two. You had a, a, a video game console if, if you were, you know, if you were lucky enough to have one of those. But even with those, you still went outside and played ball. You rode your bike. You went out and did other things. You know, you came home and the streetlights were on, and, and that was it. Um, but that doesn't happen anymore. It's 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 not to the same degree. And, you know, even if you look around the area, you know, a lot of the cities have activities that they put on for people to, to get involved, different different clubs and different things like that that people can go out and do. And and they've been declining in attendance because Younger people aren't necessarily doing the same things that the older generations were because the socialization isn't to the same degree. But where I come from from the term limit standpoint is if you take the majority of the people that are in Congress right now, you can find video from 20 years ago if not longer in some cases, of them speaking the exact opposite of what they say right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, the, it's the changing of the winds and flowing with the tides for politi- political expediency and maintaining that position and maintaining that job that to me is the problem. I, you know, we know power corrupts and, and absolute power absolutely corrupts. And the Pelosi's, Schumer's, McConnell's, Nadler's, you just go down the list. Grassley, the career politicians. The career politicians that have been there. Joe Biden's been there since 1974. You look at these people that have been there for decade upon decade upon decade upon decade. And they really don't give a damn what you think. They don't care about what you want. They care about getting reelected. They care about maintaining that power. They care about keeping that machine in Washington, D.C., running the way it is. It is it is a it is something that has been passed down 
from many lawmakers to many lawmakers. You keep this machine oiled, you keep it going this way, and here's how you benefit. I would make an argument the same thing holds true in Olympia. I think Olympia is become, certainly become more that way. Yeah. Um, With it, know, I mean, not like decades and decades, obviously. It, yeah, but, it used to run differently. You know, a um, handful of years, it's, it, it's trending in that direction. But to take it to another point, a little bit earlier today, the president was giving a speech at the Whirlpool Factory. Yeah. Ohio, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. The president was giving a speech, and he made a very interesting comment. Well, he made a few interesting comments. Well, he made but... a few interesting comments, <laughs> but this is the one that's raised a lot of eyebrows. He said that you may not see very much of him anymore. For a while. You may not, yeah, you may not see him for a while because he is doing things that are upsetting some very, very rich people. That is exactly right. And that this is the one opportunity, basically, that exists for us to change the direction of the country and get it back in the hands of the people and away from the hands of the politicians. And I think you have that audio, Ed? Yeah, let's see if I can get it to go. It has to be a good product, but the middleman, well, the rebate that I'm doing cuts out the middleman and it reduces costs and the money goes back to the people purchasing the drugs. So I have a lot of enemies out there. This may be the last time you'll see me for a while. A lot of very, very rich enemies, but they are not happy with what I'm doing. But I figure we have one chance to do it, and no other president's going to do what I do. No other president would do a favored nations, a rebate, a buy from other nations at much less cost. Nobody. There it is. You won't hear that clip on uh, the national news, by the way. No, you won't. You will not hear that clip at all. And... That's about as blunt as a statement that he has made regarding the the powers that be, the forces at work, the quote deep state, the swamp, the whatever swamp, you want, whatever it. you want to call it. But that what he has done has ticked off a lot of powerful people, and keep in mind. This is a guy who, for a long time, was one of those powerful people. Well, he certainly benefited from the machine. Absolutely, he benefited from the machine. And here's a guy that benefited from the machine that's trying to break it. What does that tell you? Well, depending on who you talk to, you know, he he still is part of the machine and just trying to uh, you know, he has such a huge ego that he wanted to take the controls of the machine for four years or eight or whatever. Or other people think that maybe somewhere along the line he had an epiphany and sought to change what was going on in the machine. You know, and in another element, when you look at Joe Biden and you see Biden as the candidate for the Democrats, 
Joe Biden is is just there. I, I well, mean, he's even just that, even that's there. a question. Well, but but he's he is a physical presence. I, I mean, that's what Joe Biden is. He's a physical presence, and he is exactly what they want. They want someone who is just going to sit there and stare at the window while the business of the country goes about. And and the people around him will be the ones making the decisions. You know, and it goes to probably say, unbeknownst to him if that was the case. Oh, I, I, if he cared about making the decisions, he wouldn't be running right now. But he's running because he knows what will happen if he wins. He'll he'll have a he'll have a nice paycheck, and he'll just kind of hang there on the side, and. Things will get back to the way they had been operating before Trump was elected, and everything will go back undercover. The deep state will be back in control, and there won't be, you know, people will be lulled back to sleep again in the United States. But it really makes you think how much have previous presidents really sat on the sideline, particularly in. The last 20 to 25 years. How much have they really sat on the sidelines instead of being involved and actually leading the country? You know, I, 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 I don't know if you can make a blanket statement necessarily. I think that even in the last 20, 30 years, there were probably, like anything, some presidents who were waiting to be told what to do. And then there were others that were orchestrating, you know, and and telling his people what they need to do, whatever, you know, good, bad or indifferent. Right. I, I, um, Trump obviously has been approaching this like he's the CEO and he gets input from a bunch of people. And he makes the decision, you know, uh, for better or for worse. We found out that that, you know, this isn't always the greatest way to run a country. It's not quite like running a business. There are some checks and balances there. It's yeah. not It's not just one person making decisions. But, yeah, I'm sure that there are others. I can speculate as to a few that were calling the shots. And I could probably speculate on a few who were uh, waiting to be told how to run the country. 547-1610-509-547-1610. If you'd like to join the conversation, this is the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Up with the bottom line on Twitter at bottom line 610. Now back to the show presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Five four seven one six ten is the number. If you'd like to get involved, contact the guys at Roofmax, locally owned and operated. If your roof's looking a little rough, and let's face it, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Roofmax can help you extend the life of your current roof. The application that they use, which was developed at Battelle Labs and at Ohio State University, will work on your shingles like water works on grass. It will replenish them. It will nourish them. It will give them additional protection against the rough summers and the brutal winters. 
could give you five, 10, maybe even 15 more years of life on your current roof. And it'll save you 15 to 20% of the cost of a new roof. That's all it's going to cost, 15 to 20%. So you're saving 85, 80, 85%. In your pocket, what it would cost to get a new roof for your house. Contact RoofMax today, locally owned and operated, for a free quote, a free estimate, and potentially extend the life of your current roof. 547-1610, if you have any thoughts. But here's the other thing, too, that, you know, because we get into this, we get into this discussion about presidents, particularly um after their terms are done. And history, we know, has a way of sometimes being rewritten. There are presidents that I think fall into a, into a couple different categories. You've got, you've got bad presidents. We've had bad presidents. Oh, yeah. You've had you know, average presidents. They're not too bad, not, not, not too great. Maybe there was really anything going on during their term that made them, you know, there wasn't anything they really had to address. They just had to kind of keep things going, not mess it up too bad. Mm-hmm. We've had good presidents. We've had great presidents. And then we've had presidents that have had a bit of an air of a, of a mythology around them. Mm-hmm. And and that one, there's, you know, there, there's presidents that fall into multiple categories. I mean, you know, there, for example, we'll take Reagan. There is a mythology around Reagan as well as his performance as president. He kind of True. falls into that. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's a grander picture out there. Uh, Kennedy. Absolutely. Mythological. I would even go far, so far as to say Obama falls into that mythological element as well. There has been this raised... Mm-hmm. Um, perception and aspect of 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 him that goes above what necessarily the job done would dictate. Um, you know, some of our founding fathers go into that. I think George Washington goes into that a little bit um, because some of the things with history, eh, you know, I mean, some of some of our presidents we get really really good historical accounts, and some we've got some stuff, but you know, we don't have as much as we do on others. But when you talk about, you know, the, the machine and, and what is in existence there and how long has it been in effect, well, you could go back as far as Nixon and start pointing to the machine. Because look at Watergate. What was that? That was a machine at work. Yeah, true. You know? So you could go back and you could point to what Nixon did there and, and point to that as government operatives doing the dirty on behalf of a president, um, because they were available and he could do it. Look at Hoover. Now, Hoover wasn't an elected official, but Hoover, Hoover certainly had a machine behind him to where he kept all kinds of dirty little secrets on people to protect his own butt. But, you know, as we as we look at the statement, we talked about the statement that the president made earlier at the Whirlpool Factory. I have made some very, very rich people angry with what I am doing. Have you ever heard? No. Ever heard? I mean, (laughs) that's about as raw a statement as we've had from a president. Yeah. Saying point blank, I'm ticking people off. And I just want to let you know, you may not see me a whole heck of a lot. I'm going to have to lay low for a little bit. Because I'm ticking people off. My goodness. 5471610 back after this. 
Give us your bottom line. Call 509-547-1610. Now, back to the show. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Bottom line is Radio 610 KONA 547-1610. The number if you'd like to get involved. If you're wondering how good your insurance is right now, if you're a small business owner or you're you're starting to drive a little bit more, you're going back to work, you want to check and make sure that your auto insurance is what you want, well, visit Jason Hogue's website with American Family Insurance at jasonhogue.com. Adult and teen driver programs, safe driver programs, plus American Family Insurance giving their subscribers, their customers, 10% off of their auto insurance policies for the rest of the year due to COVID-19. If you're a small business owner and want to make sure that you've got all the coverage you need, well, talk to Jason. He'll let you know, and he'll let you know if there's something you might need. In fact, he'll let you know if American Family Insurance can actually afford to give you more than what you're currently getting with your policy right now. The only way to find out is to contact Jason Hogue with American Family Insurance at jasonhogue.com. 547-1610 if you would like to join the program. You can get us via email as well at 16k1a.com, the bottom line page, your name where you're listening, what you would like to say. Uh, tomorrow, 3 o'clock, Ed, we will have Congressman Dan Newhouse joining us. Oh, okay. To talk about uh, a few things, particularly get his reaction on the uh, EIS report, the final EIS report from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers regarding the dams and the fact that the federal government basically said, yeah, they're not going anywhere. Might also pick his brain about uh, what's going on with this uh, stimulus negotiation in D.C. Yeah, it's been a little contentious, to say the least. Um, But again, I I mean, if you look at where the priorities are sitting and the priorities are sitting where they've moved for the last 10, 15, 20 years in the difference between Democrats and Republicans, Democrats want to continue to afford more to people to get them more dependent on government, to keep them dependent on government so that they can say they want to take all your free stuff away. Republicans want to get people back into the workforce because the economy can't survive on the unemployed. It needs to survive on the employed. So uh, the big battle is regarding the $600. Yeah, that that's one of the big battles. The six hundred dollars. The Republicans want to cut it down to two hundred. Democrats want to keep it at six because they want to keep people making more money unemployed than employed. Yeah, and I know that uh, you know there's talk about somehow incentivizing people to return to work because, I mean, let's be real. How many different stories did we hear about people? You know, in the height of the pandemic, a couple months ago, we're getting, you know, stimulus money, unemployment money, and everything, you know, it wasn't exactly the way they, you know, remember things, but it wasn't too bad. I, you know, I kind of like this. I just, you know, kind of. I don't need. Do I need to return to work? Well, you know, I mean, and having those discussions. Sure, but but again, what it comes down to is, uh, you know, uh, unless you are in Washington State, they did put this provision in, so that if you're over the age of sixty-five and you're not comfortable with the environment of being asked to return to work and you can't work from home or do anything remotely, that you will not lose your job if you refuse to turn to work. But if you are not sixty-five 
and you're called back to work and you say, gosh, you know, I really am making more money sitting at home. I think I'm just going to do that. Well, you, in effect, have quit your job. And so that creates another issue there. So keeping that large amount of money does not spur people to go back to the workforce. Now, on the other, on the other hand, we're not exactly seeing a whole ton of jobs being created. So that's your, that's your issue. Right. We're not seeing the unemployment rate dropping dramatically. There are some jobs being created, some people getting called back to work, some, you know, furloughs getting lifted and so on and so forth. But it's not widespread. It's not to where the economy has picked itself back up to where it was and that there's all these jobs ready for people to fill. And it's not uniform either. And it's not uniform Because of different phases of reopening. Just look at, you know, our Washington and Oregon state by state. You know, Idaho is much more open than Washington, Oregon. Exactly. So they're in a little bit better shape financially, uh, you know, with their job situation. You know, so as they're struggling to figure out what is the right amount of money, you know, you hearken back to 2008. And in 2008, what did they give? An extra 25 bucks. Yeah. That's what you got. You got an extra 25 bucks in 2008. But what you did have was 99 weeks. Yes, I remember that. they, They extended the term for basically two years because of how bad the economy was at that point in time. Yes, after the recession. So, you know, do you go back to that direction? Do you try to figure out a way to extend the benefits without adding more money to the benefits? Whatever it is, they're going to need to come up with something. They've also discussed a a modification to the stimulus checks, that it goes to people under $40,000 a year instead of where it was before. Now, there's a little more outcry about that than there was, but if, if you're, you know, if you're really low income, they've talked about making sure that that second round of stimulus checks only goes to those people instead of where it went the first time. It doesn't seem like that's going to go through. It's going to be the same threshold as it was originally. But at some point, people are going to have to get back to work. The economy is going, you know, in different areas, is reopening at different levels. But the more money the government continues to lay out, the larger our debt is going to get. And some people look at the debt and they don't think it's that serious of a number because we can just print more money in the basement. Well, I kind of look at any stimulus is supposed to be a lifeline. It's supposed to be a bridge to keep you from, you know, completely losing everything, right? Right. It's it's a lifeline. It's a you, you toss it into the water when somebody's drowning so they don't drown. You don't you don't want to float all the way back to shore on that life preserver. You want to get back onto the boat and go back to shore. You see my point? It, mm-hmm. It's so, you know, whether you want to look at the stimulus, whether you want to look at the unemployment benefit issue, it's all meant 
to be a short-term solution, short-term bridge. Now, in the case of unemployment, certainly some have a longer wait than others to get back into the workforce for various reasons. But it's it was never meant to be a permanent subsidy. And I know that a lot of conservatives balked at the first round of the stimulus. Um, you know, I'm, I, I was okay with it, um, given the unprecedented times, but this time around, the second quote unquote stimulus. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You're, you're treading into dangerous waters that are you going to set up a, is it going to be set up more like welfare? You know, we, we don't want that. We don't want to, you know, another generation that's that's stuck on welfare. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Dave from Kennewick. Hi, Dave. What's going on? Well, you just kind of touched on the subject there uh, right before you answered what I was going to say, but it seems like a lot of the you can see in the welfare have kind of turned into a permanent lifeline for a lot of people. Maybe Appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's um, it's a catch twenty two. I mean, it's it's really tough because when we have an unprecedented time like a recession in two thousand eight or a pandemic, well, not just pandemic, twenty twenty happened, <laughs> and this whole year has been unprecedented, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then I think most people even. Even uh, fiscal conservatives realize that, you know, people might need some help, but there is a line that needs to be drawn. It doesn't, it it can't go on forever. And I'll be really interested to see what, if anything, gets done in D.C. I mean, something will get done, may not be before the deadline for, uh, for it to lapse, but I just... I'll be really interested to see because the first time around, I think the basic outline, both R's and D's were on the same page. It was kind of maybe dollar amounts that they were off on, but the basic premise was there. This time around, you know, the Democrats are trying to lump a lot of different things into the negotiations that probably don't belong, and it's probably going to... Probably going to be a lot harder sell to get something done in time. 547-1610 is the number. 509-547-1610. Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline. 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. On News Radio 610 KONA. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA-547-1610. If you would like to get involved, we don't have any local election numbers to update you with at this point, as Benton and Franklin Counties will do updates. Uh, Franklin will do an update tonight at 8 o'clock. Benton will do an update tomorrow. Franklin County, about 3,000 ballots on hand to count. Benton County, 23,000 on hand to count. Uh, Walla Walla County also doing an update tomorrow at 4. They have about 2,000 ballots on hand to count. But a number of counties uh, around the state have updated today, including King County. 
Uh, statewide, there's an estimated 657,364 ballots left to count. Again, that's estimated. And statewide turnout at this point, about 35.3%. Uh, so we'll continue to see how those things pour in. Um, and we will try to get you at least a couple of updated numbers here before we go off the air. As sometimes when they update the numbers, yeah, it's a little little sketchy. So, bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Michelle from Pasco. What's on and, your mind, Michelle? Well, you probably know. Um, I'm glad that Dan is coming in to talk about the dams tomorrow on the EIS. So my request, I would request that we'd ask, what are they going to do when uh, the status conference is called, which is the next legal action in the court with the Ninth Circuit judge, and they do what they've done for decades, and according to the ESA Endangered Species Act, that they did not satisfy the quotes, reasonable and prudent alternatives, and that they will need injunctive relief. Um, there are already committees and groups that have decided what's going to happen to the top two dams. Instead of breaching, they're going to do deep drawdowns, and they'll still be rendered unnavigable, and will still have all the same effects. And I would just ask, you know, is he willing to go to David Bernhardt, a Department of Interior, and call for the God Squad? Other than that, um, there might be an injunctive effort that has maybe a 15% chance of success going directly to the judge because he didn't enforce his own rules and laws that he put in place for the Fish Passage Center, who did not transport the juvenile fish in March when they were told to by NOAA, but NOAA has no authority to make them. But they are the scientific advisory group that they are supposed to work with and listen to. And they also didn't transport the juvenile fish to the 40 and 50 percent. They only transported 13 percent and then conflated this as the reason that orcas are dying and it's the dam's fault. I know Dan knows all this. I am a Dan supporter, but I am an advocate for this area. And it's a complicated issue with many stakeholders and many parts. And whether people understand the entire um, issues before the, before the um, decision-making, um, I would ask that you just ask him point blank. Would he ask for the God Squad? If they start this injunctive release that they've done for years, that's how they've been attacking the dams with all the NGOs, Todd True of um, Earth Justice, and I call it Earth Injustice, um, Soros funded, and all the NGOs even from outside our country. So um, I'm putting a plug in, and I'm, I'm not trying to be disingenuous to our congressman. I'm just wanting to get to the bottom line. Thank you. Michelle, if you would send us in an email, because my memory is not what it used to be. So if you could send us an email through the show page for, about that question and what you want us to ask, specifically what you would like us to ask Congressman Newhouse, we will do so tomorrow when we have him on the program. So um, but that was that was a lot said. And um, if you could narrow it down a little bit for us in an email, we will be more than happy to ask Congressman Newhouse tomorrow. So we'll have him at 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, 547-1610, if you would like to get involved in the final few minutes of the program. One thing that we'll certainly be following, um, as the the Attorney General of the state of New York is, has filed a lawsuit in an attempt to dissolve the National Rifle Association, uh, we'll keep an eye on that and see how that winds up working out. 
Um, but looking at numbers right now, not much has changed in the gubernatorial race. It's pretty much the same. Uh, Jay Inslee at just over 51%. Lauren Culp at 16.68%. Uh, Joshua Freed has ticked up to 8.1%. Uh, Tim Iman down to 6.84%. And then uh, Raul Garcia at 5.2%. Fort Fortunato at 4.1%. Um, those are the gubernatorial numbers. I don't think those are going to change much. No. Um, at all. And the other one I'm really interested in looking at, and hopefully it pulls up here pretty quickly, and it has, uh, Chris Reichdahl still sitting at 40%. And the top two challengers are at almost 45%. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday, uh, whether whichever of the candidates joins Reichdahl in the, in the general election, will they... Will the, the 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 candidate that doesn't make it, will those supporters coalesce behind the other? Um, and, you know, I don't think it's so much Reichdahl's handling of the pandemic. I think it has oh, a lot. No. To, I think it has a lot to do with the uh, sexual education. Oh, bill. it's got a lot to do with the sex education bill, amongst amongst a couple other things. Um the sex education bill really got a lot of people angry. And yeah. and I mean. This is the end of your first term, and you're at forty percent. Yeah, that's tough. That's 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 a be pretty big condemnation of the job people think you've done at this point. Now, granted, there's another thirteen, fourteen percent sitting out there, another fourteen percent outside, you know, amongst three candidates that split, um, and we'll see what direction they break in. But but right now, Chris Reichdahl looks to be the most vulnerable running for re-election at this point in time. So we will be keeping a very close eye on that race once it goes into the general. Uh, and it's not changed much as far as the lieutenant governor race either, where it looks like it will be Denny Heck and Marco Leas, a senator versus a state representative. No, congressman. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Denny Keck is a congressman. Yeah, that is great. I forgot. I thought he was a state rep. He's a, he's a he's a congressman. Yeah. So U.S. Congressman Denny Heck and State Senator Marco Leas uh, will face off for the lieutenant governor's seat. So I don't see anything really changing there uh, with 600,000 votes just north of left to count in the in the state. So, but the voter turnout right now at about 35%. We'll see hmm. if those numbers change at all. Yeah, you'd like to see it a little higher. I'd like to see it a little higher. Into the 40s, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the, I think the, the, the hope was 45%. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in Benton and Franklin, Benton's at 29.4% right now. Franklin County is at th- almost 40%. 39.3% turnout for Franklin County. So we will see what those final 3,000 vote, votes may have to reveal tonight in Franklin County when they release their numbers at 8 p.m. That'll do it for the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Hey, sun's coming back up. Afternoon Report, your day's news next.